I'm Brett McGarry. This week on the Couch Potatoes, big changes could be coming to the Oscars. Changes designed to make them more popular, but of course, there's a backlash. Plus, I'm Jeff Braun. Ever since Jaws, shark movies have been a thing. But have they been a good thing? We'll take a look. Plus, the second biggest movie of 2018 comes home to Blu-ray. First, it's the news from the couch. This week concerning Jean-Luc Picard, the captain played by Patrick Stewart in Star Trek The Next Generation. After leaving the airwaves in 1994, Stewart has announced in 2018 that his beloved character is making a return. I have never ever grown tired of hearing from people who stop me in the street or in a restaurant. Well, no, I don't like being interrupted while I'm eating. (laughs) But um, who say to me, your show changed my life. Without Star Trek, the next generation. And that lies at the very center of what I have to tell you now. Jean-Luc Picard is back. He made the announcement at the 2018 official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, confirming that he will reprise his iconic role of Jean-Luc Picard in a new Star Trek TV show for CBS. The Next Generation was on for seven seasons and five movies, which means they can't just go back to the well and keep doing the same thing. He may not, and I stress, may not be a captain anymore. He may not be the Jean-Luc that you recognize and know so well. It may be a very different individual, someone who has been changed by his experiences. 20 years will have passed, which is more or less exactly the time between the very last movie, Nemesis, and today. Stewart also says there are no scripts yet, they are just talking about it, but he was super excited and emotional during the announcement. And I'm sure a ton of Trekkers are excited and emotional this week as well. Sir, I know this may finish me as an acting ensign, but shut up, Wesley. Did she not even pick up one piece of trash? Ah, klaxon, ries, blaj, blan, arnik, karnik. Ah, Doctor, there must be a cure, some formula. (laughs) Make it so. There was a cleaver in the man's head, which Noreen said was you. You take care of this butcher. He doesn't live through the night. These boys aren't gonna rest until you're dead, son. Ed home? Ed who? That's what I thought. 
There's been a lot of mystery surrounding the future of the FX show Fargo. The limited series, based on the Coen Brothers' 1996 Oscar-winning movie, ran for three critically acclaimed seasons from 2015 to 2017. Season three ended in the spring of 2017, and nary a word has been heard since, until this week, when FX announced season four would indeed happen, and it will star Chris Rock. Fellas, you ever been going through some hard times with your woman, you lose your job or something, and your woman tries to console you and say, hey, baby, don't worry, we're going to get through this. We're going to get through this. I know we got some bills, but if we got to get rid of some of this we will get rid of some of this She's talking about you. Rock will play a Kansas City Mafia kingpin in the 1950s. The season will feature his gang at war with an Italian game, and there will be some connection to the other seasons. A Kansas City mob showed up in season two. Fargo is set to return to FX in 2019. What can we do for you here, Ray? Do you still owe me from what happened when we were kids? Ray, no, I'm talking to my brother. Happy to help, really, but where does it end? No tip? Oh, yeah. Get a real job. This time has been difficult for all of us. But Christmas comes. We must do our best to enjoy it. I don't want to enjoy anything right now. I wish you love the way. Don't you think I know exactly where I stand? Your mother was the cleverest inventor I ever knew. And there was never any doubt when I asked what her greatest creation was. Disney has released a new trailer for The Nutcracker and the Four Realms. You might know The Nutcracker from Tchaikovsky's ballet, but The Nutcracker's story began in 1816 as a short story called The Nutcracker and the Mouse King by E.T.A. Hoffman. It was about a young girl's dolls that come to life on Christmas Eve, along with a noble nutcracker, and they protect her from a nasty army of mice. The movie focuses on Clara, who is guided by her godfather, Drosselmeyer, played by Morgan Freeman. Curious to see how that's going to play out with the allegations that have been hurled against him. Drosselmeyer helps Clara get to a parallel world. Just a girl. Your mother created our world. My mother made all of this. She was our queen. At your service, Princess Clara. Princess. The future of the realms lies with you. Be careful who you trust. I've been expecting you. <laughs> really dig the dark version they've got of No Doubts, I'm Just a Girl in this trailer. In this new world, this parallel world, Clara meets a soldier, a gang of mice, and the rulers of three realms. And she has to find the fourth realm and take on the evil Mother Ginger, played by Helen Mirren. The Sugar Plum Fairy is played by Kira Knightley. Clara is played by Mackenzie Foy, whose credits include Interstellar, The Conjuring, and The Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. She was Bella and Edward's kid, Renezme. That's a stupid name, Renezme. The Nutcracker looks neat, though, although it looks like it could be clunky. Find out for yourself. It opens November 2nd. to save the kingdom. She's going to destroy everything my mother created. Are you ready? I'm just a girl, little old me. <laughs> 
News this week about one of my favorite sitcoms, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Are you drinking sunscreen? We're drinking tequila out of sunscreen bottles. The sunblock drink? Nice. The thing is, I didn't make you one, so I'm thinking you're just drinking sunblock. Jeez, ah. oh. <laughs> Charlie, it's good. It gets y'all. Sunny is a show about five miserable friends who own a dive bar in Philadelphia. They scheme against each other and anyone to get what they want, and it's hilarious. It's also been on for 12 years and is renewed through season 14. Danny DeVito is in it. He's the eldest in the gang. Charlie Day from Horrible Bosses is one of the gang, too, as is Dennis, played by Glenn Howerton. He is, in many ways, the worst. He's certainly the most dangerous. I have contained my rage for as long as possible, but I shall unleash my fury upon you like the crashing of a thousand waves! Be gone, vile man! Be gone from me! A starter car! This car is a finisher car! A transporter of gods! The golden god! I am untethered and my rage knows no bounds! There's also a running joke that he's secretly a serial killer. At the end of last season, Dennis left Philadelphia to be a family man in North Dakota. That would have been a fun joke that was immediately rolled back at the start of the next season, except that the actor, Glenn Howerton, actually intended to quit the show, having been cast as a lead in the network sitcom NBC's AP Bio. My name's Jack Griffin, and I don't want to be here. I'm living in my dead mom's apartment while teaching advanced placement biology. I am an award-winning philosophy scholar, but here's the deal. We're not going to do any biology in here. Are you seriously never going to teach us biology at all? Maybe uh, Pablo Picasso can come in and teach driver's ed. So the North Dakota thing was to hedge their bets. No one knew if AP Bio would fly or not, but it did, and people assumed Dennis was done with Sonny. Until this week when co-creators Charlie Day and Rob McElhenney, who plays Mac on the show, announced Dennis would be in most episodes. It's not clear how much of him will be in, or if he returns to Philly or not, but Day says he thinks fans will be happy with what they've come up with. Season 13 premieres on FXX on September 5th. Tell me about these size pills you're giving Mac. So they're Mexican ephedra. Calling them size pills was an elegant solution. Uh, the guy was gross. It was disgusting. He was fat as shit. He smelled like shit. He sounded like shit. His groans, his snores, the sleep apnea. It was gross. He was repulsive, really. So he has no appetite because you're drugging him secretly. Giving a man medicine for his disease. Wherever did I get that idea? You undoubtedly heard earlier this week about the passing of Hockey Hall of Famer Stan Makita. The couch potatoes are not so much with the sports, but there is a Hollywood connection with Makita. He was the namesake, not unlike fellow hockey player Tim Horton, for the coffee shop where Wayne and Garth hung out in Wayne's World. This is Stan Makita's donuts. Excellent munchables. This is the manager, Glenn. He's here 24 hours a day. I recommend the sugar pucks. They're excellent. I'd never done a crazy thing in my life before that night. Why is it? If a man kills another man in battle, it's called heroic. Yet if he kills a man in the heat of passion, it's called murder. Hello! What do you think you're doing? Only me and Garth get to talk to the camera. Come on. That was Ed O'Neill as Glenn, one of the weirdo cameos in weirder cameos in the movie. Anyways, we heard lots of people talking about the hockey exploits of Stan Makita this week, but for me, he'll always be the founder of that donut shop in Aurora, Illinois. We're not worthy! We're not worthy! We're not worthy! Swing! 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 That is the news from the couch. Up next to infinity and war. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are The Couch Potatoes. Time now to have a look at 
what is coming to home video this upcoming week. And we've been telling you the second biggest movie of the year is coming home. Well, it's this one. Well, hey, you. I love a man who brings flowers. Everybody remembers their first kiss. How about I tell you about my best kiss? Maybe that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) I never thought I'd be back here again. Is it as good as you remember? Maybe better. I'll give a little bit. I'll give a little bit of your love. Mom, you need to be a little bit realistic. There's a man out there who makes me feel things that I didn't think were still possible. Yeah, okay, so it's not the second biggest movie of the year. I lied. It's a book club. Yeah, starring Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steenburgen. And it, uh, everyone that saw it seemed to enjoy it. I know my parents did. Okay. Um, it's about... Those ladies and their uh, second sexual awakening, I guess. I don't know. They read, they get, they form a book club and read Fifty Shades of Grey, and then they all go and get dates and uh, with guys like Richard Dreyfuss, Craig T. Nelson, Don Johnson, and of course Andy Garcia, who's in every third movie this year. He was in Mamma Mia as well. He's a busy he's guy. He's in Geostorm. Plays the president. Oh, that's right. He's in Geostorm. <laughs> yeah, Book Club did okay at the box office. 68.5 million. That's not bad. It opened. Too bad it didn't get half a million more. When, Moving on. Uh, oh, I see. May 18 uh, was, that came out. Earlier, a couple of weeks before that, the second biggest movie of the year did open up. Avengers Boom. Infinity War. That opened in late April. And I fully expected this movie to be the biggest film of the year, but Black Panther sort of surprised us all. That's still beating Avengers? Yeah. Wow. Black Panther well domestically. Black Panther domestically is at seven hundred million dollars. It barely seven hundred million thirty three thousand eighty five dollars. Uh whereas Avengers is at six hundred and seventy-eight million. So I guess it's possible, but very unlikely that it'll catch yeah, Black yeah, Panther. Yeah. It's way ahead of Black Panther though worldwide. Worldwide it's over two billion, whereas Black Panther is at one point three. A paltry one point three billion dollars. <laughs> Boy, I hope someone gets fired for that one. Yeah, yeah. What a failure Jeez. that is. But yeah, that's coming to Blu-ray. It already came out to digital HD. I'm sure it'll be playing on demand as well if you, you just s- want to get it on your PVR. Are you still buying these uh, Marvel movies and hard copies? It's What's been that? a while. I uh, I didn't get Thor, I don't think. Ragnarok. Or did I get Thor Ragnarok? I can't remember. I don't yeah. know if I own Thor Ragnarok or not, which means I probably don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at the point with them where, like I uh, still am with the last two seasons of The Office and the last couple of seasons of It's Always Sunny that we were talking about where I'm happy enough to wait a few years until the price plummets yeah. on those things. I still haven't got Civil War. I did buy Spider-Man Homecoming last year right when it came out, though. I like that one a lot. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Okay. I have Civil War if you ever want to borrow it. I was I watched it on, it was on Netflix for the longest time. Oh, it's yeah. Now, okay. Uh, well, yeah, and if I wanted to watch Thor, it is playing on Netflix, but I still prefer to watch it on hard copy, and I do think I have to go out and pick up Avengers, because I said I would go see it multiple times, and I only saw it the one time, of course. I I, I might buy this one, too. I, like, honestly, because the ending is what it was, I can't remember the rest of the movie. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, the ending just gobsmacked me or whatever. But And it would be, knowing the ending... It would be fun to go back and watch the rest of it and not have it shadowed entirely by the ending because, I mean, come on, the ending will resolve itself next summer. There is something else coming to Blu-ray DVD that you've highlighted here. Oh, just uh, AP Bio Season 1. We were talking about that show last segment, the Glenn Howerton Show. And so if you missed it, apparently it's very good. Pat Oswalt's in it too. Plays a school teacher as well. 
Uh, I, I missed it. I should. I didn't think it was going to fly, but it did fly. Maybe I should catch up on that one. Okay, so that one aired. Uh, it started on February 1st. They just did like a half season. Yeah, okay. And, yeah, episode 13 aired on May 13th. I remember seeing commercials for that yeah. and I thought it looked okay. Apparently it's riotously funny. Wow. Yeah. NBC does produce some good comedies. Yeah, but they also... They make some weird decisions over there, so yeah, that's why you sort of want to wait until they see if something will actually stick with them. Still to come on the Couch Potatoes, we are going to talk shark movies. There is a big one. You could say a mega shark movie Hello. opening this weekend. Also, up next, the Oscars making some big changes, looking to make some big changes. And, of course, people are freaking out because you can't do anything good without people getting mad over nothing. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. And the Oscar goes to... (laughs) The Shape of Water. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brett, and the Oscars are adding a new category to honor popular films. They're also promising a brisk three-hour ceremony from now on. They made a big announcement this week. John Bailey, the newly re-elected president of the Academy and the CEO of the Academy, Don Hudson, said in an email to members that the Board of Governors met Tuesday night this week to approve these new changes. Ratings for last year's Academy Awards, the 90th, fell to an all-time low of 26.5 million viewers is down 19% from the previous year. It was the first time the Glitzy Award ceremony had fewer than 30 million viewers since 2008. Hosted by Jimmy Kimmel, the ceremony also clocked in at nearly four hours, making it the longest show in over a decade. Hudson and Bailey wrote in their email to the Academy members, quote, We have heard from many of you about improvements needed to keep the Oscars and our Academy relevant in a changing world. In an effort to keep future ceremonies to three hours, the awards will be presented live and during commercial breaks. Specific categories will be determined at a later date, but the winning moments that will be recorded during the commercial breaks will be edited and aired in a later broadcast. Good luck keeping that down, and frankly, that's a slap in the face to the folks who get their Oscars during the commercials. I'd rather have mine mailed to me than that. Uh, But it was the addition of a new category that grabbed everyone's attention the most, the popular film category. Obviously, they're trying to grab some ratings. You can't blame them for that, I guess. Bailey and Hudson said the eligibility requirements will be determined at a later date. It wasn't specified whether it would be added for the upcoming 91st Academy Awards this February. The 2018 Best Picture winner, The Shape of Water, finished 46 box office-wise last year. The biggest uh, Academy Awards audience on records came in 1998 when the blockbuster Titanic was named Best Picture. Other movies that had monster box office and were nominated but didn't win or include Avatar, Jaws, E.T., the first Star Wars. So it's not like the moneymakers never get nominated. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, a box office champ that also swept the Oscars, but it and Titanic were also very unique projects, staggering productions, the likes of which had never been done before. The Academy made one more announcement. They said they're going to shift the date for the 2020 show. Uh, They'll bring it up to February 9th. Usually it ends, these things go at the end of February. So they'll be moving that up, but... The popular movie category. Well, the as far as the date goes, I like that they're bumping it up a little bit because by the time February 24th rolls around, the award season has been dragging on. Because when does it essentially start? Like November? Probably. Yeah, they start doing stuff before Christmas, that's for sure. Because I think it's the... Who's the, the the group that typically, the National Film Board? National Film Board, uh, like the New York Critics or something maybe? Well, because there's, there's one that... Uh, National Board of Review? Something. Yeah, they, they, they unveil their 10 favorite movies of the year in no particular order. And that 
<clears throat> typically or historically was seen as sort of the unofficial kickoff. Yeah. Also, by the end of February, you know, we've seen like for for we've seen like the Shape of Water or whatever win like six Best Pitcher awards at different ceremonies. So yeah. it's not that big a surprise. No, it isn't a surprise, especially now when you've got the. <clears throat> The Des Moines, Iowa Critics Association. You know, there's so many critics associations handing out different awards. Yeah, it, it's by the end, it's just kind of an exhausting yeah. process. So That's... I'm cool with them moving it up. What do you think of this popular film category? It's weird. It it feels like that would diminish the best picture thing a little bit. Uh, and what happens if a movie like Titanic opens? Does it win both? Because Titanic was, at the time, the number one movie of all time. Yeah. And those other ones, Jaws was as well, so Star Wars obviously was. E.T. became the second biggest moneymaker of all time when it came out. Yeah. So those would have won the most popular, and then do they not get nominated for Best Picture? Because all those, you could argue, should be nominated for Best Picture. Well, and they haven't haven't said yet if... It would if being in the popular film category would make that film no. ineligible for Best Picture. I mean, look at Toy Story three, for example, was nominated for Best Picture, but it was also nominated for Best Animated Animated Feature. Yeah, and we don't know how they're going to do it. I sort of have a. F- I think that maybe they'll take like the top five money makers. Those are automatically the nominees, and then people vote on one of those five. Yeah. That would be a way to do it. They might, maybe it's just like an honorary Oscar. They just straight up hand it to whatever makes the most money. Yeah. Who knows? Could be. Um, and maybe it's a way of saying. But then like Transformers could technically win an Oscar, which it shouldn't. Well, and, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's it's a way to nominate five good money-making films that are good, but not good enough to be nominated for best picture. Yeah. You know, you look at a movie like, and this is where the controversy is coming in because Here's a quote. It is truly something that in the year of Black Panther, a movie made just about entirely by and with black people grosses $700 million, and the Academy's reaction is, we need to invent something separate, but equal. That is a pretty serious accusation as far as I'm concerned, and I'm actually trying to find the name of the person who said that. The sound guys and the cinematographer from Black Panther will receive their Oscars during the commercials. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and that is uh, a guy by the name of Mark Harris, who uh, is the author of Five Came Back. It's a blog, right? Sure. I think. That's a pretty serious accusation. I don't like that. I don't see them creating a a different category to try to separate Black Panther because a lot of people want to see Black Panther nominated for Best Picture. And I'm, this is maybe an unpopular view. I don't think it deserves a Best Picture nomination. I don't think it's a good movie. I don't think any Marvel movie does. Yeah. I was, I wasn't even mad really when The Dark Knight didn't and everyone went up in flames about that thing not getting nominated, but I was like, it's a Batman movie. <laughs> this is, I mean, the Joker, sure, Heath Ledger earned his Oscar. No, I got no problem with that, but yeah. I don't think it's best picture stuff either. Yeah, so I, I don't, but of course that was the explosion on social media after. I was really surprised to see the the amount of negative feedback. I thought people would embrace these changes. You know, they're trying to include the mainstream films yeah. and at least get them. So this way, if a Black Panther doesn't get nominated in a Best Picture category, which it shouldn't, <laughs> it would technically likely be nominated in that feature, although we don't know yet if they're going to add this in the the 2019 awards or if it's going to be 2020. I also, I'm cynical enough to say that even with this and let's say 
all the five nominees for most popular movie are like three Marvel movies, uh, Star Wars, and an animated thing. I don't think they're bringing in any new viewers. Yeah. For one, are you going to sit through a three or four hour broadcast to watch Black Panther win an award? No. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's an interesting even point. S- like, even if you were like a hardcore Star Wars nerd, you wouldn't bother with that. Yeah. But also maybe this is an opportunity as well for comedies to, to, to get some recognition, right? Because who said, they, it doesn't mean they have to pick the five top money makers. They could pick a comedy that made $75 million or whatever. That's true. But uh, I, I think, would actually, that's even more interesting. I would much rather see that because, I mean, the superhero movies and the Star Wars is of the world do get four or five nominees every time anyways, just for the technical stuff. Yeah. But comedies get shut out constantly. Yeah. Every now and then a Melissa McCarthy and Bridesmaids will get like a Best Supporting Actor nomination. Yeah. They, there should be writing awards. There should be acting awards. Comedy just never gets acknowledged. And I get, I get it, right? I mean, dra- drama is just, it carries much more weight, but I think it's probably harder to do comedy. I mean, tons of actors always say it's actually harder to do the comedy because you have to play it seriously and, but, and have it be funny. Cause if you don't play it seriously, or if you play it like you're trying to be funny, then it's not funny. Yeah. And you've seen nearly every big comic actor do serious movies and do them well. Yeah. Will Ferrell and even Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey, but it's much more rare to see a serious film actor do something funny. Yeah. And, and it's always pleasant when they can make the transition yeah, yeah. because most of the time it's just awkward yeah, yeah. and weird. I also, I do like that they're trying to cut it down to three hours. It doesn't need to be four hours. No. But I, you're right. If I, if <laughs> keeping people in the commercial breaks, I don't know. It's dumb. Although in this, this is always my gripe with the Oscars. I think it's great that they go out of their way to acknowledge the behind the scenes people that we don't know who they are because yeah, yeah. They, they it's their work that makes the films great, like the design, the costume or makeup or whatever. All that stuff adds to what makes a film an award winner. But I don't need to see what they have to say because I don't know who they are. That's true. But I would also say in defense of those guys, their speeches aren't the ones that screw up the timing for these shows. Those guys keep it brief for the most part. Yeah. And I, and maybe it's just the nerd in me. I, I like, there's always good stories. There was that, well, there's that audio with the audio guy that went decades without winning. Yeah. Nomin- and Roger Deakins, a cinematographer, just finally won last year. He, that was his 13th or 14th nomination. Stuff like that, I don't mind. But that also makes me think, I, and I, this pops into my head every year when I watch the Oscars, because I like it but I've spent the previous two months trying to go see every single movie on that list. Yeah. And I'm always watch, and I always think to myself, I was like, who, why, why is so many people watch this? This is, if you haven't seen these movies, this is the worst show of all time. <laughs> it's boring. It makes no sense. You don't have, there's no stakes whatsoever because you don't care who wins. What's the point? <laughs> it's a great point. And I think people are finally starting to get it. I think, I think, or I wonder if it's this, this, Tradition, right? Like you watch the Oscars to see the movie stars and the glamour because what else would you do? But now there are a thousand other things that you could be doing and people are starting to clue in and realize, you know what? I don't know what these movies are, so I'm just going to watch reruns or uh, I'm going to catch up on Friends on Netflix or whatever. And it used to be back in the day, there would be five nominations there would have only been maybe seven nominees that you would even think were possible. And most people had seen more of the movies. Like uh, Rain Man won a bunch in 1988, and I heard a thing a few weeks ago. Rain Man was the number one movie, money-making movie that year. Yeah, it was a big one. Yeah. So that was, you know, there was an era of the movies were good, and they also 
made all everybody saw them, right? And now that's just not the case. The Oscar movies are usually these smaller ones that most people just haven't seen. Up next, the Meg takes a bite out of the couch potatoes. You're listening to the Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. The Meg opens this weekend, wherein Jason Statham fights the biggest shark of all time. She's coming. Oh, boy. It was the largest shark that ever existed. Thought to have been extinct for two million years. The thing's out there. We need to find it and kill it. Why don't you just put a tracker on it? Did you guys ever watch Shark Week? The Meg. In cinemas, August 10. Uh, Rain Wilson, Dwight from The Office, you heard there. Ruby Rose, also in the movie. And, uh... I hate horror movies and stuff, but I think I want to see this. And, like, the advertising just got to me, Brett. I must have watched a trailer on Twitter or something because I can't scroll three inches on that stupid site without <laughs> a, a Meg 15-second thing popping up and playing. I see it everywhere. And it looks pretty – it looks dumb. Yes. It looks really dumb. But it looks like it might be fun, too. Yeah, it almost looks like it could be a snakes on a plane kind yeah. of movie, which I still stand by. That I liked that movie. Really? I really enjoyed it. But I, I also admit – I think I liked it largely because I went on opening this like opening midnight screening yeah, yeah, or yeah. some, or it wasn't midnight, but everyone was clapping and cheering because they were doing, I don't know, they were all nerds. That, and that of course was the famous movie where the title came first. Yeah. And then they was like, okay, we'll try and make a movie about that. Yeah. So yeah. So like, yeah, The Meg is, we haven't seen a big crazy shark movie in theaters for a while. I remember when we first heard about The Meg, I thought, oh, that's going to be a straight to video thing. But now a big push for the theater to hear. Um, Jaws is a classic from 1975. And other than that, it's hard to find a good one. I think the closest came a couple years ago, 2016, a movie called The Shallows starring Blake Lively where she's sort of trapped on a rock like half a kilometer away from the shore, but there's a shark going around her and she has to try and get back and kill the shark. I don't know. It got 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. It has a $17 million budget and made $117 million in the end. So it's a good movie that made money. So there's that. Other than that, I mean, there's the Jaws sequels. Two is okay. Three is bad, and four is among the worst movies you'll ever see. There's Deep Blue Sea, which was very popular, but it's a stupid movie. Come on. It's still, you can still got to like it when the shark gets Samuel L. Jackson, of course. But yes. Yeah. So that is that going for it, but it's not, no one would accuse it of being a really good movie. Okay. And then there's other stuff that I, I went through a list, and I remember these titles. They were actual theater movies, I believe. Open Water, The Reef, 47 Meters Down. Then there's just a slew of TV movies or straight-to-video stuff. And, of course, there's the, the, the Sharknado phenomenon that began a few years ago. Mm. And actually, in a couple of weeks, August 19th, The Last Sharknado. It's about time. It's the sixth one, starring Ian Ziering and Tara Reid. Ian. Ian? I believe it's Ian Ziering. you're right. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I got a family member named Ian, so I should know better. Really? Yeah. Okay. Hey, and uh, 47 Meters Down, by the way, that was that movie that co-starred Mandy Moore. Okay. It was, I don't think, and as, if memory serves, I don't believe it was actually supposed to be a theatrical release, but they Just dumped, it. they dropped it in uh, to last June, and it actually did okay. It made yeah. $44 million, there you go. and uh, it looked like it was a fun little film, uh, although mediocre reviews, 55% on Rotten Tomatoes. I think people just don't expect much from a shark movie at this point. Well, it's, it's hard to top Jaws, right? It's almost, it's, yeah. It's like anytime there's a movie about a demon possession, it can't 
it has to be compared to The Exorcist right. because the bar's already been set and no one's ever come close to touching it. There was another movie out in 2011, which I kind of enjoyed, called uh, Shark Knight 3D. Oh. And that starred, uh, most notably, it starred <laughs> Catherine McPhee, who was, uh, of course, an American Idol contestant and then later uh, part of the show Scorpion on CBS. I thought it was entertaining. The 3D was gimmicky, but whatever. Hey, there's a Jaws, Jaws 3 was called Jaws 3D. Yeah. And it was bad. But, yeah. But 3D's changed a lot since then, too. Well, National Lampoon wanted to do one. They wanted to do the third Jaws movie back in the day, and they wanted to call it Jaws 3 People Zero. Okay. Which would have been a good title. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I like that. It took me a second to figure that one out. I'm not very smart. So, The Meg, are you going to go see it then? I'm, I'm torn. I think it'll be okay. I think so, too. What's the rating on it in the United States? It's, I don't know. Hang on a second here. I'm just going to... Uh, what's it? The Meg rating. Because it's such a comically big shark, it can't be actual scary. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you'd never be afraid of that in the ocean because there's just no way. It's PG-13 so no for blood. action and peril, bloody images, and no. some language. So <laughs> there will be blood. Yeah. But it shouldn't be enough to, I would imagine, set off your gore there's gag reflex. blood and jaws, and I watch that twice a year, so... Yeah. Well, yeah. oh man, you if you watch Jaws, I'm sure you can watch the Meg because <laughs> Jaws actually is scary. This just looks that's true. silly. That's uh, true. It's just going to be a fun. It's it's the big dark theater that's the part I don't like. Uh, on my TV with the uh, the blinds open on a sunny day, that's a lot easier to take in stuff like this. That's you got to watch that movie at <laughs> night, man. Jaws is a great movie to watch at night. That is all the time we have this week. My name is Brett. His name is Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. You can get the podcast on Google Play and on iTunes. And remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.